Hello everyone, my name is Diana Rodriguez. I am a Python developer at Wikid at Vonage. I've been doing this for a little over 20 years. I am a self-taught developer. Started with infrastructure and I came in transition through different roles in the industry. And right now I do a lot of community work. And yeah, that's me. <laughs> Hi everyone, my name is Daisy Nolan and I am a self-taught front-end engineer. I left my background in marketing to teach me teach myself how to code, and I am now the sole front-end engineer at my company called Trigger Mesh. Hi, my name is Christina. I'm a front-end engineer at a large hedge fund in New York. Previously, I was in node infrastructure at PayPal, and before that, I did my own startup, um, which was a logistics platform called Shippa. Awesome. And my name is Susan Mott. I am currently an apprentice here at VisDot. I joined the industry a little over a year ago and I am making my through, learning through all the developments and sort of workplace teamwork dynamics, if you will. Did you work your tail off to get that senior developer gig just to realize that senior dev doesn't actually mean dream job? I've been there too. My first senior developer job was at a place where all of our triumphs were the bosses and all the failures were ours. The second one was a great place to continue to learn and grow, only for it to go under due to poor management. And now I get job offers from great places to work all the time. Not only that, but the last job interview I actually sat in was a discussion about how much my podcast had helped the people interviewing me. If you're looking for a way to get into your dream job, then join our Dev Heroes Accelerator. Not only will we help you get the kind of exposure that makes you attractive to your dream employer, but you'll be able to ask them for top dollar as well. Check it out at devheroesaccelerator.com. For this particular podcast, where our topic of the day is going to be workplace conflicts and resolutions. And I think with the different level of experience all of us have, I think we'll have some pretty interesting stories and input about this. So first question we'll kind of go over is how have you overcome and resolved an actual workplace conflict? I think with our different backgrounds, talk, technical or non-technical, we've definitely had a conflict somewhere. So we'll go around the room again, kind of talk about some of those stories a little bit, talk about maybe what the initial issues or concerns were and um, what we did to go about resolving it. So I'll totally go first. Sorry, because I do have a, uh, have a story in mind. So I think especially when I was working with bands and I was doing some tour management and merch inventory and whatnot, you know, being the only female sort of in the group, if you will, at the time, there were a lot of assumptions that I was going to take care of some of the the cleaning type of stuff, if you will, sort of picking up after people type of work. And, you know, that was not something that I was originally hired for. And at the time, being a manager, if you will, I understood that I'm going to have to do tasks that are outside of my job description. But I also didn't want to set a negative precedent where that's the expectation that, hey, you know, Susan's our manager, so she's going to go ahead and clean up our mess all the time. And, you know, by no means do these conflicts, you know, represent people you know, saying that they're bad or anything, but I think it was just a misunderstanding. And I think when it does come to conflicts, that's usually the main cause. It's just miscommunication. And so, you know, at first it was one of those, I wanted to be patient and see, you know, let, let's just see how this kind of plays out. But I feel like in this situation, it was something that I should have probably uh, said something upfront about so that it didn't fester over time. So we ended up having a few different meetings where we talked about uh, the division of responsibilities and just understanding what the expectations is, are from, from, from every aspect. So um, I think in our case, we were able to resolve our conflict by having clear and transparent communication and sort of reiterating what those expectations are. And 
if there is a time where someone uh, maybe forgets that or doesn't do that, just a polite reminder, just saying, hey, remember, these were sort of uh, the things that we decided on. If this is something that isn't working for you, let's talk about how we can change this then so that, you know, this is something that everyone understands and everyone can work with. So even though that's not as specific, I feel like sort of that mindset uh, definitely applies to different sort of potential conflicts or things that we can run into in the workplace. So I'd say definitely, yeah, boundaries, establishing clear boundaries, having clear responsibilities. It doesn't, it's not like we, we can't help in, you know, we, we can't collaborate but yeah, clear boundaries, having outline roles, and a key to everything would be stop assuming in general, even if it means assuming good or bad intent. It's better to just for, uh, have assertive communication and discuss things as as they arise. There's always a way to talk through situations. I I think. I think that that if we normalize clear communication and people wouldn't really be afraid to to talk about things, you know, communication is stigmatized with confrontation, you know, and that's not always necessarily bad. But but yeah, I mean talking about it is 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 grand. I I had a difficult similar situation where we couldn't really talk about things because it was it was like 10 years ago. I had a manager who was very talkative. He always said, oh, yeah, you can come and reach out. Like, reach out to me if you need anything. But he didn't take any feedback. If he, did, if he didn't agree with that feedback, he wouldn't take it. He would argue about it. So nobody liked to talk to this person because they didn't really see a point so in this case we decided that we were going to make our environment friendlier and peaceful knowing that we weren't going to get much help from above I eventually ran for the hills you know but we have a we have a choice <laughs> to 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 look for an environment that is that that meets at least these minimum requirements of you know having communication where we can set boundaries and where our responsibilities and our roles are crystal clear at least we can make that what do you reckon yeah so um my like past experience so i i worked for a company where i was the, like the pretty much the only female at the company and mm. It was, it was a new role too. So, it, you know, you, in those new roles, when you kind of feel like that outcast, you, you, ha, you kind of have your walls up, right? And you, you want to get things done, but you're also kind of like heads down too, because you're just like, oh goodness, like, what am I doing? Well, my manager had reached out to me via email and had like just said some like, not nice things, uh, but mainly uh, it was geared toward me being a woman. And 
you know, kind of thought about it. And I mean, that's to me definitely a conflict, right? Like, you know, did you miss, did you accidentally say this? Did you, you know, so there's so many questions. And with it being my manager, I, I had no idea what, what to do. Like, do I leave because of, you know, what was said or, or do I just ignore it? And then I realized like, if it bothered me, like I need to say something because, uh, I feel like so many people have that mentality. Like it's not my job to explain to you why that's bad, but maybe this person had no idea what they said was, was bad. So I just went ahead via email and was just like, look, I really don't appreciate you saying that. Like that, that did hurt my feelings. And I explained that. And this person had no idea and was very apologetic and it never happened again. But I think that, you know, if we are in that mindset, like that's not our job to explain like what hurts our feelings or, and I think too, because I know when I was going in school, if you like try to talk to someone about, oh, they were mean to me, you know, you got called a tattletale. And I feel like that's not the case. Like you need to explain like your feelings, especially right now. What offends me is probably not going to offend, you know, Jane down the street or, or Joe. So I think, yeah, we need to, to be open. So again, it's going to be that communication. I think both of you made very fair points about the importance of communicating your feelings uh, just for the long-term sustainability of any work relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, a situation that came to mind is uh, when I had the often very uncomfortable conversation of asking for a raise because I felt that I was you know, underpaid compared to peers or my contribution has increased though my pay should increase. So before having that meeting with my director, I read this book that was highly recommended by many managers at Google and also at my old company called Crucial Conversations, Tools for Talking When the Stakes Are High. The title alone sounded pretty relevant, but one of the points I gleaned from the book is that you should first show empathy to the other party's feelings and seek to understand before being understood, you should also assume the best intentions. Mm. Um, It's easy to sometimes interpret feedback negatively or a no as something personal against you. But I think it's important to start with a heart and assume positive intent, agree with a mutual purpose, lay out the facts, then agree on a clear action plan. It turns out the director who I had the discussion with also read the book and highly recommends it. Awesome. No, that's actually a really good point to to point out where, you know, I don't think people for the most part intentionally try to fight with each other, right? I think it's just like, hey, let's assume best intentions. Like I'm here doing my best. You're here doing your best. You know, let's just try to figure out, let's put everything on the table, figure out what we're understanding, what we're not understanding, and we have a better idea of where to start off together. And I think, um, you know, sort of, I guess, branching off of that, I'm curious if any of you guys have been in a workplace conflict where, you know, you are assuming those best intentions and you are, you know, keeping in mind like, hey, we're on the same same team, let's work together. But the other person isn't quite receptive of that. Um, I know, you know, all of us have probably run into a coworker or even a manager where they just want things done their way and that's it, right? It's like my way or the highway. 
So do you guys have any uh, workplace experience um, or otherwise that, you know, where you had that conflict with someone where, you know, you took the right initial steps, if you will, but there's still this sort of roadblock of they're just not listening or they're basically like, nope, you have to do it my way or that's it. I do. I think we all do a number of times and this is going to be a sore subject. But recently, even recently, a few years back, I joined the team in a C-level position mm-hmm. and I was greeted by a fellow C-level who said, women don't belong in this industry. What are you doing here? Oh my. I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> Let's find out. Mm-hmm. And they were always trying to deauthorize me in front of employees. The CEO never did anything. I thought he found it comical. Mm-hmm. And we had an emergency situation where, because this, so I, the thing is that if I, if I give away my position, then <laughs> everybody will know what company this is. And, mm-hmm. and even though I love to tell the whole world about this, they, they have improved. And, and, you know, I, I don't feel like public shaming would be a good thing to do, but, uh, cause it's, it's, it's complicated, but but anyway, the CTO tried to, yeah, he always tried to make me look like definitely I did fit the stereotype of women don't belong in this industry, or or he would say things like, you can't possibly know about infrastructure more than I do because you're a woman. And I mean... Granted, I would have just quit two weeks later, but I was too stubborn <laughs> to let that. Yeah, I, did, I didn't want him to get away with it. So it came to a situation where we had an emergency and I was the responsible of the DevOps side of the operation. Mm-hmm. And he realized that he had no knowledge of how the new infrastructure had been migrated. So I, I migrated this humongous infrastructure that I had been running for over 15 years mm-hmm. from some in, um, you know, on-prem, some was on AWS with CloudFormation to Terraform and some other automation tools with security and all that. And when I didn't do my thing, he just didn't know what to do. And we had, production was out for 17 minutes and I kind of let it happen on purpose because I wanted him to know that I was definitely capable and at this point I was the only person who could take care of the issue because I knew my thing you know I I I I had the experience and I wasn't there just because I was a diversity hire or because I was a woman mm-hmm. you know back then I was also a woman with experience knowledge and achievements and it felt great there's 17 minutes of my life he learned the lesson and after that he went mute he still had an attitude and I think he was a personal thing of being you know a misogynist but he couldn't argue about any of these technical aspects because everyone else saw that definitely I was there doing my job and that the operation was running because I was doing my job. And, and that's why they didn't notice anything different since I came in. Mm-hmm. 
but it is it is something that we as women deal with i would say on a daily basis mm-hmm. all the time people underestimating us and thinking that because we're women i don't know we can't learn or we can't do things i i don't think this industry has a specific gender and as a matter of fact in the 60s from the 50s to the 70s the responsible of 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 the infrastructure side of the operation were mostly women this industry was full of women until it became different in you know at the beginning of the 80s so so yeah I'm, I'm sure we've all dealt with similar situations <laughs> wow thank you so much for sharing that it's it's not nice to hear that other people are going through that same problem but it's also, like, it's just good that I'm not alone. And I feel like some of the listeners will also, you know, think like, oh, why, you know, why am I treated this way? And know that there is a community that they can go to when they're facing these. I've like, uh, so before I was in tech, I, you know, I mentioned I was the, like, the only female in the industry. I so used to working with, uh, with men and one of my roles actually was the, the the same one that I mentioned earlier. The, my manager had, you know, asked my input on something. And I don't know if he wanted like, oh, yeah, like, look at this, pro- or this, you know, thing I made, like, you know, how good is it? And I explained like that it, it's not going to work. You know, uh, I didn't sp- explain it like that, but we just were butting heads about what the in, pro- uh, in things should look like. And, and, you know, and so I tried to explain it from a different point of view. And I was just told that I didn't know what I was talking about. And, you know, I didn't have formal training and that, you know, this person did. And it was, you know, I still just, it still just like rubbed me the wrong way. And I'm just looking at it going like, I yeah, no. And so mm-hmm. what I did was created a proposal and um, I searched so much about you know, the, the correct pattern and the, you know, the correct, you know, way to do things. And I looked at statistics and I created a proposal that listed out, like, if you do it this way, like it's been tested, you know, then this is how you know, that response is going to be. And I'm trying to be very vague that again, because I don't want people to know where, where this was too, but and instead of it just being between me and my manager, I decided to send it out to the whole team and let the team kind of vote on it. Now, I know that's not the case with every thing like that, but it was also good for me to learn because when I did that research, I learned so much. But it also showed that, you know, how passionate I was and that I was willing to go the extra mile. And in the end, my thing got voted on because I could back it behind, you know, research. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. It also shows a lot of courage because you're talking to like a position of authority and trying to get a more democratic stance towards the issue. Hey, folks, I don't know if you've noticed, but I've been working a lot on figuring out how to help people become the most valuable developers on their teams or becoming the top 5% of developers in the field. If you're looking to level up, figure out how to contribute more, get the career you want, get the career that you want that will support the lifestyle you want, then you should check out the Most Valuable Dev Summit. I've invited some of my friends across the community, people that you've heard of, people that have worked on systems that you use on a daily basis, people who have invented new ways of doing things 
over the years in programming, and I've asked them one question, and that question is, how do you become a top 5% developer? How do you become one in 20 of the best developers out there? And so we're going to go ahead and have that conversation with them in interviews on the Most Valuable Dev Summit. And you can find that at summit.mostvaluable.dev. Yeah, like during these type of situations where, you know, we see a problem, we're trying to resolve it. It's really interesting because, you know, I know like myself, you know, for people who have some sort of degree of imposter syndrome, if you will, sometimes we get afraid of bringing up issues that we see, right? Sometimes it's kind of like, well, maybe I just don't understand the context or, you know, maybe I just have to get over it. And I know, you know, in different places that I've worked, especially being new, that was the initial mindset that I had because I kept thinking, oh man, like I just, I need to learn how they do things and then bring up these issues once I have some experience or something. But I feel like when people get the courage to speak up like that, that is such an empowering feeling that, you know, not only are you standing up for yourself, but you're trying to show, be a good example for other people, right? Like leading by example, if you will. And I think it's so important to keep that in mind because even though all of us may have gone into this industry for different reasons, whether it's more for personal reasons or or something a little bit more outward, I think it's important that all of us remember that our actions um, are seen by others, whether we're told about them or not, whether we may notice them or not. And so I try to keep in mind that, you know, especially as someone who cares a lot about accessibility and making sure that, you know, coding is something anyone could do, right? And by that, we want to make sure that we have the right community, that we have a supportive community, that we're providing the right resources, and we're providing them in a way that others can understand, right? I think it's really easy for us to get caught up in, like, I'm the one who's providing this, so this is so great, versus, hey, let's try to understand who the audience is, like, who we're trying to give this information to, and make sure to provide it in a way that they can understand. And I think all of that still loops back to communication, right? The communication is such a broad topic where it covers, you know, the listening portion, the speaking portion, the um, having empathy portion, and just everything in between. So, you know, I appreciate all of you guys sharing these stories because clearly they're, they're not easy. And, you know, for some of us, they're painful to think about, right? Because once they're resolved, sometimes you just want to, just out of your head, right? Like you don't really want to think about it again almost, but. Um, I think of Harry Potter when you just did that. You know, if, if anybody watches Harry Potter and Dumbledore is like taking those memories away, like I, sorry, I had a tangent, but that's exactly what I just thought of. Awesome. No, I mean, but it's, it's just, it's great that we can come together and talk about these and, you know, hopefully people who are listening to this can also relate to some degree and, you know, be able to share these experiences with other people. Cause you know, Daisy, like you were saying, like we're definitely not alone in this, right? I think when we're going through some of these hardships, it can definitely feel that way. But, you know, sort of all of us coming together, like I didn't know many of you before coming together for, you know, before this, but it's great that we can sort of lean on each other and be able to share these experiences and teach others, right? Like, you know, there's going to be times during our learning journey and our professional growth where, we're going to run into things that are that are uncomfortable. We're going to run into these different conflicts, but being able to support each other in, in this way, I think is really important. And, um, you know, all of you guys have really shared great stories, not only with conflicts and resolutions between other coworkers, but even managers. Uh, and I know that, especially with managers, it can definitely be, it can seem more sensitive, right? Because they're technically above us and, you know, we're 
in a way we're supposed to do what they tell us, but at the same time, we're trying to make sure it's, it's fair. Right. And so I can definitely understand where having a conflict with someone higher up, especially, you know, in your company can be very difficult. Yeah. And just to, you know, speak to your manager about that, you know, you feel exposed, you feel like, I always feel like, okay, you know, people have that nightmare where they're standing on stage in their underwear. Like, that's how I feel when I'm, if, if I have to go to my manager and express how I like, cause you're, you're so vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And, and also, you know, especially in the industry when you're a female too, and, or a woman, you know, in tech and there, there's so much, I don't know, like people trying to to pull you down and just say, yeah, like Diana's story, like, you know, you can't do this, you know, you're a woman and, you know, all these things. I, I assume people are, you know, still in the, the dark ages where they think women are in the kitchen or, you know, mm-hmm. doing something else. And so it is very difficult to, uh, to be able to like express how you feel and and not get well me I'm an emotional person just because I am I can't watch a Zillow commercial without crying but I mean it is just so like just so much pressure and you know I'm like I said I'm just glad to hear that I've got a community you know that I can you know talk to because you know I I need to learn how to not go into these meetings and, and get emotional when I'm angry, I cry. When I'm happy, I cry. Like I, I'm just one of those, like, like I said, I cry a lot and I don't want to, that to be, you know, looked at like, Oh, this is a woman crying, you know, woman emotions and, and things. And, and, and see, that's something that I need to learn how to, you know, to do. And then also I'd like to grow a backbone because so many times people have said things to me that, I'm just like, okay, I'll forget about that. They, they, they meant no harm. And then it keeps going over and over again. Mm-hmm. And then it snowballs and you're just like, man, if I would have addressed it mm-hmm. months ago, maybe we would have a better way of uh, like communicating. So again, it just comes out with that communication, but also it's, I need, this is just me personally. I need to work on myself mm-hmm. and, and, and learn how I can effectively communicate. So communication, <laughs> one full circle. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But Hey, you know what? I'm also an emotional person. A lot of people don't really think I am because <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm known for having, you know, a snarky personality, but actually I'm I same. If I'm happy, I cry. If if I'm sad, I cry. If I'm angry, I cry. It's easier mm-hmm. to make me cry than to make me angry, as a matter of fact. But I think it's okay and it's grand to just, you know, be yourself if you're an emotion an emotional person. That doesn't take away your experience and your abilities. I don't see any wrong on being emotional. I feel that it's normalized that people don't show their emotions in the industry. And I think that's wrong and unhealthy. I'd say come as you are. And if, if you, if something makes you cry, cry, like at this point, I don't know if it's because I'm older, I'm 38 years old. And the older I get, the less I care about those things. I've had situations where I've been frustrated. I cried in front of my boss one time Mm -hmm. just because of some situation. I'm like, well, it's me being a human. Do you have a problem with that? You know, 
I I think there are ways to communicate things. I remember being in a meeting with uh, an all male audience, and they kept interrupting me, and I was so angry. I was irked, and this was recently, say a couple of weeks ago, and I have snap camera. So I immediately switched to big mustache filter. And I said, if I do this, are you going to pay attention to me now? (laughs) And they cracked up and I'm like, it seems like it works. Mm. So I'm just going to leave it on. And I appreciate that you don't interrupt me because I do have some valid points that I'd like to share with you all. Thank you. And sometimes, you know, sometimes humor doesn't fit. I'd say, Daisy, be yourself. And and about growing a backbone, it is it is important. But rather than you know growing a thick skin, I think it's my rule of thumb is just same Andres. You know, people sometimes say things that are not nice, and we kind of let them slide or get away with it, thinking, oh, probably they didn't mean anything wrong and regardless of the intention I always say hey that's not nice mm. want to talk about this because I don't know I didn't feel comfortable with your comment or mm, I don't think so you know straight away I don't I don't want to let anything get in the way of having a good work relationship or if anything gets in the way of a project it's 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 better to not have any misunderstandings or any assumptions of things being good and bad, you know. And and probably I come across as confrontational. So I suppose I mean I I I'd rather I'd rather be that way and save myself the hassle, you know. Definitely. Well no, I that's I think all of us have um, you know, shared definitely conflicts and resolutions, but really great advice and just recommendations for other people who are going through this. So you know, I appreciate you all talking about that. And, you know, we're going to segue into sort of the next segment, if you will, which we call picks, where we're just going to share something fun about ourselves. So, you know, it doesn't have to be tech related necessarily, but it could be something that just makes you happy, something fun that happened. So yeah, we'll, we'll kind of switch it up a little bit and talk about that. Hey folks, this is Charles Maxwood and I just launched my book, The Max Coder's Guide to Finding Your Dream Developer Job. It's up on Amazon. We self-published it. I would love your support. If you want to go check it out, you can find it there. The Max Coder's Guide to Finding Your Dream Developer Job. Have a good one. Max out. I, uh, I guess I'll, I'll start. So I, you know, I guess mine is a little bit tech related, but, you know, coming to this industry was really interesting for me because I did come with a non-technical background. I didn't necessarily have a, a specific interest in coding, but I did have this sort of overall passion of wanting to help others. And I know that I've always wanted to support people in some way. So even in the other roles professionally that I can think of, I was always in some sort of support role where I wanted to just help others, whether it's just making their day a little bit easier, organizing something for them, which, oh my God, by the way, I love organization. So if anyone's into that, let's talk like label maker to the max. But anyways, you know, but just doing little things like that just to make people's days a little bit easier. Right. And you know, one of the things that I, you know, implemented with some other people at a previous company was just giving praise to other people, right? So at the end of the day, um, we'd be talking over Slack or something and everyone would end their day by just saying thanks to someone or just saying, hey, this went really well today. And to be able to end the end the day on such a positive note um, was such a good way to end the day. And I've noticed that, you know, I guess even relating to workplace conflicts and resolutions, 
that actually helped people reduce the number of conflicts because I, I think that kind of showed, you know, the initial miscommunication, right? So, you know, sometimes you might get a kudos or, a, or you know, a thumbs up from someone that you thought had an issue with something that you did, for example, but it's like, no, nope, it was just probably a misunderstanding. So, um, you know, that's something that I definitely encourage other people to do, but that's something that at my current company, you know, we have a separate kudos channel where people will be like, hey, big shout out to this person for doing such a great job with this client or, you know, and it's just a great feeling to not only feel recognized by your peers and potential other managers, but just to be able to see that throughout the day, whether it's the beginning of your day, so you start your day off really well, or at the end of the day, when let's say you work super hard and you're super tired and you're just like ready to go to bed basically, but you have that little bit of happiness where you're like, hey, I'm being recognized and that's awesome. So, you know, that's something that's really positive. I feel like in my workplace that has, I feel like overall helps sort of the company culture and it's definitely something I recommend for other people. Oh, thank you for sharing. I I really am into organization too. Um, I got so sick. Uh, I think it was two years ago and watched uh, Maria Conda's, or I, I don't know if I just said Maria's name correctly, but it, it was just amazing. And then I started cleaning out the house and yeah. So my pick is going to be about an item. So my husband and I just moved to North Carolina from Austin. Uh, what was it like six months ago? So we're new to to North Carolina. We're right outside of Asheville, uh, but because so many things are closed, we've had to be creative with date days. And so my husband actually got us the Adventure Challenge Couples Edition, and which is actually great for, you know, if you're married or dating, or I think even like pretty good for teenagers, there's nothing very risque in there. There's only one, but you can make it as risque as you want. But what's great is, is they are like scratching. So you don't know which date you're going to get until like you scratch it off. But the book tells you what's like supplies you need, if you need to get a babysitter, uh, do you need to go to town? So it's been so much fun. And we've been like going on dates in the house and didn't know how fun it could be. Uh, so that is my staff pick. Uh, we've been, like I said, uh, because of the closures, we've been trying to find a lot of like subscription boxes. So yeah, this is going to be my pick this week. It's so much fun. Oh, they do. Uh, the company also has a family edition. So if you're looking for something that you could do with a whole family, it's the Adventure Challenge Family Edition. So awesome. Highly recommend. That is awesome. That sounds amazing. I can't wait to try it out. My pick of the week is rather related to the Mary Kondo idea of organizing, but it's the organization of thoughts. I was introduced to the idea of a bullet journal this week. The idea is to, uh, apparently it's, uh, the short form of it is Bujo. There's a lot of YouTube videos and articles on that, but it's about writing your intentions, writing down your goals, and mapping out your thoughts into organized boxes to reduce anxiety and improve mindfulness. That's awesome. Are we about to create like a planner slash organization club? Because I am in. <laughs> I was gonna say yes, please. I just got the um, the not whole thirty. Oh my goodness, commit thirty journal. I'm into working out, and I I got it and. 
love it. And then I used to do like big journals and, and calendars from Aaron Condren, mm-hmm. just because of all the stickers, probably so many stickers. So yes, like let's, let's create a club for this. Nice. Well, my pick is going to be something, something different. <laughs> So I have type one diabetes and it's, it's quite a journey. Mm. I've been so anxious because, you know, it doesn't matter what you do. You're never in control. And, and yeah, I can eat whatever I want. I just have to dose accordingly. That's that. I mean, food is not a limitation. It can be a struggle in general. Like sometimes I get it right. Sometimes I wake up. At 300 just for breathing air. Mm. Sometimes my ratios are off and that is horrible. It gives me so much grief and, and sometimes it just gets me in a really bad mood. I just cry about everything, right? And I found this app. It's called Insight Timer and I don't have a good attention span. So meditation is difficult for me, mm. but this one, this one is grand because it's free and you get, you can set up your timer for meditation or just having calm time, I would say. And then you set your timer and you can choose different kinds of, you know, like you have a, a starting sound and a, and a finishing sound and then some background music as, as you do your meditation or just keep it, you know, keep yourself quiet. Mm. And I like it because the, the start, alarm for me is like a wooden block and the last one is like a massive gong and then I can configure like rain sounds or just fire you know the background or there's even one with monks you know kind of singing and it's great it has helped me to keep good terms with anxiety so definitely I would say check it out, Insight Timer. It's free and you can set from two to one hour, like from two to 120 minutes of meditation if you want to if you want to do it that way. I love that idea. <laughs> I feel like that's so important to make sure that what, that you're healthy and that you're doing like the self-care that you need. So I, I think that's an amazing idea, especially so many of us are different places in our careers. And I think that ties in perfectly with uh, today's talk about the conflicts because, you know, that definitely stresses me out. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. I am also trying to utilize apps in a more productive way, if you will. And you know, self-care is one of those things that's not always going to look glamorous, right? I know we're used to seeing Instagram photos and stories of people doing really lavish things to do self-care, which is totally legitimate and totally fine. But sometimes self-care for us is just, you know, maybe meditating for a few minutes or thinking positive thoughts or, you know, kind of like Christina's idea of bullet journaling and organizing your thoughts, making a to-do list before you sleep, right? All these little things to just help you through your day. So thank you guys for sharing all those picks because I think everyone who's listening can definitely, you know, give those a try and see if that works for them. So this is towards the end of our podcast. So uh, we'll, um, you know, definitely have some future ones set up for everyone. But um, Diana, if you don't mind starting, uh, just letting us know how we can get in touch with you or where we can follow you on Twitter and whatnot. Sure. So I am Kotufa82 on Twitter is C-O-T-U-F-A-82. 
number eight, number two. Catufa means popcorn in Spanish, which is my native language. And you can also check my website. That's where I get all the speaking affairs updated. And sometimes I add silly content too. It's superdie.dev. And yeah, there are a few of those funny talks and even some standard routines on YouTube. So mm-hmm. you can find me with the same handle. Same thing on, on Clubhouse, um, Katufa82. Cheers. Awesome. Thanks, Diana. And uh, my name is Daisy Nolan. I'm not creative when I came up with my handles. So they're all going to say, um, oh, goodness. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So it's Daisy with a D, D-A-C-E-Y underscore Nolan. I And Nolan is N-O-L-A-N. So uh, that's on GitHub, LinkedIn, and Twitter, Daisy underscore Nolan. Awesome. Thanks, Daisy. My Twitter is ChristinaYU123. There's approximately 200 people on Facebook with my name. So I thought I should be the 123rd person. That's awesome. Thanks, Christina. So I am on Twitter. I'm not as active as I was before, but my tag is uh, Suki Supremo. So S U K I uh, Supremo. Um, so go ahead and um, check out our profiles, um, you know, talk to us, reach out if you have any questions. Um, but thank you again for all our guests here on the She's in Tech podcast. Uh, make sure you take uh, check out the This Style website for upcoming events, other podcasts and webinars and whatnot. So thank you guys again, and we'll see you guys next time. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.